You're listening to The Pet Factor, news on pet health, wellness, and the latest in veterinary medicine. Hi, welcome to our next podcast of The Pet Factor. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. I'm Brittany. And this week, we're talking about uh, dental care. And uh, there's a lot of preventative care that we do with dental care, but there's a lot of else therapeutic stuff that we have to do, too. And back when I started out, dental care was not that big a thing. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, we didn't do that many teeth cleanings. If we did them, you know, it was just a really quick procedure. We knocked the animal out. We cleaned up their teeth. They woke up. Um, didn't do any x-rays. If Unless we really need to do an x-ray for a, an abscess tooth, we might do a skull x-ray with our big x-ray machine. Yeah. Uh, but it's changed a lot in the last 15 years. And right now, our dental setup is probably rivals anything you get at a yeah. human dentist. And the reason is, we're our pet's dentists. They don't go to a separate dentist to get their teeth taken care of. We do that for them. Mm-hmm. 80% of the animals that come in for their wellness exams have dental disease. Yeah. This has been shown time and time again in lots of different studies. And it shows up, we have animals as young as a year of age that have dental problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly have seen the dogs 10 years of age not a speck of tartar on their teeth. They're rare, but it happens. Um, but it's, it's something that we, we really need to be aware of. And one of the things I tell people is if you have a pet with really bad teeth, that really affects your lifespan. Yeah. The one study showed it can cut two years off your pet's life, and that's a significant amount. Mm-hmm. You add in obesity, which can cut off two years. Just solving those two problems can, can give you uh, another four years of life with your pets. Yeah. And then, of course, pets don't like to show their dental disease at all. It's sort of, a I think, an instinctual thing. Mm-hmm. In the wild, if they were to show that they were having problems, then the other ones would not yeah. feed them, would not take care of them, so as long as they can hide it, they're fine. Um, I've gone in and shown people broken teeth and loose teeth, and they didn't even know their pets had them. Mm-hmm. They said, well, he's, he's eating fine. Yeah, no, there are might. sometimes we lift up gums, and they're literally bleeding. Right. And the owners are like, huh, I never knew that. Well, there's, there's a lot of times you don't have reason to lift it up. You mm-hmm. might say, hey, if they got dog breath, it's not really a sign of a disease, but bad breath can certainly be a really bad mm-hmm. uh, sign of, of periodontal infections. Um, and then the other thing about these infections they get in their mouth is they can lead to infections in other places of their body. Because every time they eat, when they have really bad teeth and gums, bacteria gets into their bloodstream. They can do blood cultures in dogs that have bad dental disease and show that there's increased bacteria after they eat. Mm. And those have to be filtered out by the liver and kidneys. So it just causes chronic low-grade damage to the organs over time. Mm. So it's uh, getting them taken care of is better. It also affects their sense of smell. I mean, yeah. if you smell their bad breath, their sense of smell is so much greater than ours. Imagine what it smells like to them. Well, and then who wants to get a kiss with those nasty teeth and things exactly. like that? I don't want yucky brown teeth kisses. No, it's yeah. nasty. Well, and I think the reason why a lot of animals have dental disease is we were feed them out of bags and cans instead of their natural mm-hmm. diet. When they would go hunting and they'd catch an animal, they'd tear the carcass with their teeth and that would clean their teeth. Mm-hmm. Sounds disgusting, but that's, you know, they chew on the bones and, and that would the be marrow. a natural way to clean their teeth and keep them healthy. Mm-hmm. And when we're eliminated that, we've got to substitute things to, to make that same thing happen. So the preventive measures we recommend, and there's several of them, the best is going to be brushing. We're going to talk a little bit later about that mm-hmm. um, in terms of how to the best way to get them brushing. Um, but there are some really good dental chews. Um, there's the Oravet makes an excellent product. Uh, Greenies has a product out there that works pretty well. Um, there's a, a group called uh, VOHC, which certifies dental products to, for effectiveness. So yeah. if you've got a VOHC seal on there, then you know that they're probably a good product. Um, again, see what your veterinarian recommends. Yeah. 
they've they probably used a bunch of these and they see what works well. There's um, rawhide chews that have uh, antiseptics in them called CET chews that can help decrease uh, gum disease. There's also sprays. Yeah. You can spray in the mouth. We have uh, MaxiGuard that's available in spraying a gel. I like to use that sometimes for cats because it's difficult to brush their yeah. teeth and it's something that you can get in there pretty easily, especially the cats with the stomatitis. Mm-hmm. Um, there's sealants too. There's this product called Oravet um, sealant. It's like the Oravet chews, but it's designed to be wiped on the teeth once a week. Oh. And it binds to the enamel of the tooth and prevents the plaque from forming. It's a little bit difficult mm-hmm. to do sometimes. It has to be done after they've had a cleaning, but it's a pretty good product. Mm-hmm. And then there's additives you can put in the pet's water. Um, So it's something, it's not as good as brushing, but it's going to be helpful to keep their teeth clean. And of course, you know, coming in for the the preventative care is going to be helpful to the wellness exam every year. Get that dental exam done by your veterinarian. Um, Some of the things I tell people to avoid, I don't really like real bones, especially if they're dry and they get really hard. I don't like ice cubes. That's the number one thing with dentists tell me that mm-hmm. how people break their teeth. Yeah. Dogs will break their teeth on those too, break, but they, they love like to the chew crunch them. On, well, they like yeah. to crunch anything. But, but ice cubes are very hard. Yeah. Um, and when you bite on them, you're causing stress on those teeth. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, if people come in and say, oh, I haven't cleaned it, the groomer. They're not doing a teeth cleaning. No. <laughs> they may be going in there with a brush and brushing some toothpaste on there, but mm-hmm. they're not doing they're any not exam. Really. And so Scaling if you think you're, you're getting good dental care by every six weeks having the groomer do that, that's not going to be mm-hmm. as, as good as what we'd like to be doing. Um, when I'm doing the exam and I'm looking at their mouth, I'm looking for a couple things. I'm looking for the tartar buildup, which is the big yellow-brown calculi, they call it, that mm-hmm. builds up on the teeth. It's actually a mineral compound that forms between the bacteria and the plaque and the minerals in the saliva. And it, it likes, it's like a rock on their tooth. Yeah. And if you see a lot of that, especially if it's causing um, redness along the gums, then, that, mm-hmm. then we know they have a problem. And red gums always tell me that equals pain. Yeah. Um, if an animal's gums are, are that sore, uh, that inflamed, that means they're sore. Yeah. Uh, if I can press on the gums above there and pus comes out of there, I know we got a problem. Mm-hmm. If I touch a tooth and it's loose, we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. If I see a broken tooth, even if there's not any problems, I'm going to want to x-ray that tooth. Yeah. Because we've, we've done this. We do... A complete set of x-rays on every pet, we find teeth that they look fine on the top, but you look below and there's a fracture of the roots that we need to deal with. Or sometimes it's not even in the mouth. Like the one dog, it was under the eye. Yeah. Yeah, that one came in just for, what, a routine exam, and you pushed on the face and a bunch of pus came from under the eye. Right, right. The the upper uh, upper big um, premolars, the uh abscess, the weakest spot is up through the bone by their cheek. Mm -hmm. Just came pouring from under her eye. Well... (laughs) So watch for the swelling around their jaws and their mm-hmm. face is really important. So when we have them come in, you know, we say hey, we're coming for dental cleaning, but that dental cleaning really doesn't um, give the full effect of what we're doing. We yeah. call it a complete oral health assessment and treatment. Mm-hmm. So COHAT is the, the name that one of the, some dentists came up with, some veterinary dentists. So um, we like to use that as our term rather than dental cleaning because we're doing a lot more. Wow. So it starts even before we do the procedure. We're going to do a full blood panel on this animal, a pre-anesthetic mm-hmm. blood panel. We want to make sure they're healthy, that there's not any problems that are going to be a problem with anesthesia, but certain diseases can affect their teeth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in cats that have chronic dental issues, bad gums, we're going to check for feline leukemia and FIV because that's going to suppress their immune system and make them uh, more prone to problems. And then depending on the pet's age, their breed, we're going to customize, tailor an anesthetic plan for them. Mm -hmm. Every animal is going to get an IV catheter. Mm -hmm. 
And if if you ask your vet if uh, what they do during the dental and find out if they're doing these things because it's it's important that these things done. It's a general anesthesia. The IV catheter is there to make sure we keep their blood pressure up. We can give them emergency drugs if we have to. Um, they're monitored during the procedure. We're monitoring their blood pressure, their EKG, their oxygen, their carbon dioxide levels, their temperature, um, respirations. All those things we're constantly monitoring so we can determine if there's a problem. Um, they're intubated, yeah. and the, we do that not only to give them the gas anesthesia, but it seals off their airway. So while we're cleaning their teeth, water is not they getting back there because they yeah. can't swallow when they're anesthetized. Mm -hmm. If you go into the dentist, they'll put that little suction thing in their mouth, but we just, we're able to do it on what's called a wet table. Yeah. And so the body of the animal is on the heating pad, and their head's just sitting over the grate, and then we can just clean and things just drip right down there down. so they don't have to worry about swallowing it down. Um, we're going to do a full set of dental x-rays on every animal. Yeah. And I, I even think it's important to x-ray where there's not teeth. Oh, yeah. Because you never know, maybe a tooth broke off, there might be a root left underneath mm -hmm. it that's causing problems. So we're looking um, not only at the teeth themselves, but the spaces where the teeth are. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to do a complete cleaning of the teeth using an ultrasonic descaler. Yeah. Or scaler. Some people call it scaler. I, I, don't, I call it descaler because it's taking the scale. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, and it's just like the one they use in the dentist. If you ever had it and they go in, yeah, the it sprays the water and it uses the vibration to yeah. remove that, that tartar from the teeth. Um, and it does it in a safe way so it doesn't damage the tooth. Mm -hmm. And then we have to polish the teeth afterwards. We use a little gritty toothpaste and that helps smooth the teeth surfaces off so that the plaque is less likely to build back up and the tartar to build back up. And then if we've identified any teeth that are problems, and sometimes we do it before the cleaning, really depends on how bad it is, we'll remove those teeth. Yeah. Um, some teeth are very simple to remove. Uh, you can have a very uh, bad infection around an incisor tooth, and they just come out, just pop. Sometimes they come out while you're cleaning them. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had teeth fall out while we were um, intubating them yeah. because that's how bad the teeth are. I've like, had them fall out in the exam room or uh -huh. in the carrier, and people go, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the one the lady that the dog was playing with something on the ground was the other dog's tooth. Yep, another dog's fell. tooth fell out. Right. Um, if they've got multiple roots, sometimes we'll have to use our, our high-speed drill and cut them into the individual root pieces and, and remove them root by root. A lot of times we do um, a flap of the gums to burrow away some of the bone to get the roots out, if, especially if the roots are pretty healthy. Because mm -hmm. you have one root that's very bad, one that's not, and mm -hmm. you need to go in there. Or you but, have those larger dogs who chew things like okay. bones, or we have one owner, dogs choose rocks. Yeah. So he cracked a, one of the biggest teeth in the mouth, yep. the molar, and we had to go in completely healthy tooth, but cracked in half, whole cavity was out, Right. painful tooth now. Yep. And if we don't, if we don't get the whole root out, then there could be problems later on. Mm -hmm. So, um, when your vet's doing an oral surgery procedure and you go, boy, that's a pretty expensive for an extraction, it can take. You know, right. we've had dogs where you spend an hour pulling teeth out. Yeah. So it, it, sometimes that's a three, four times longer than the actual cleaning. Well, and then you say it's expensive, but you don't realize how much of this team is in there. Like you yeah. go to your dentist, it's just you and your dentist. We have three or four people yeah. in a surgery room. You like, got, you got someone monitoring the anesthesia, mm -hmm. you got the person, uh, doing the dental work, mm -hmm. you've got someone um, monitoring the vital signs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're really kind of obsessive about that. Yeah. Um, we do a lot of older animals for dental cleanings, mm -hmm. um, and mainly because they need the dental work probably more than anybody else. Yeah. They're going to more risk for liver and kidney issues, more risk for heart disease, mm -hmm. and certainly um, having bad teeth with bad heart valves can lead to endocarditis, which is an infection of the heart valves. And by keeping their teeth clean, we're, we're keeping their hearts healthy as well. Um, so when you when you get that estimate from the your vet and it's like uh, six hundred thousand dollars, 
just think about what's actually going in and ask them, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, our, ours usually come in about half that price for, for most of our teeth cleanings, but it's certainly more expensive than it used to be. And I think because we become more um, obsessive about the anesthesia and the safety, mm-hmm. um, we do have to charge extra for that. We can do probably about six dental cleanings in a day yeah. and feel comfortable that they're getting the quality of care that we like, that we're not rushing through them, mm-hmm. that we're not you know doing an assembly line type work. Yeah. So we, we take that into account when we're doing that. Well, you also got to think, too, if you look at that bill, you're, you do a root canal. That's twice oh their bill. And that's yeah. for one tooth. And you're getting a full team, anesthetics. You know, your pet could be, if they have 10, 12 bat teeth that need to be removed, you know, and you're paying three four $400. Right. That's great. You'd, you'd be oh, spending. <laughs> My son had his uh, wisdom teeth out. It was $1,000 a tooth. Yeah. Yeah. And he was out of there in 20 minutes. Yeah, I had, had to get one root canal done. Had to be there three times for 20-minute sessions. That was 1200 bucks. Yeah. Like, I would love my doc, my vet to do my dentistry. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, but speaking of root canals, there there are veterinary dentists that can do, do those procedures. Yeah. So if we have a cracked canine tooth, especially on a working dog, mm-hmm. they can save those teeth. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more expensive than doing the extraction, but it's, it's available. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can do the crowns and everything like that. There's even veterinarians that will do braces on the dogs. For working dogs? Well, for any dog Disney. that maybe have a bad bite or have teeth in the wrong place, they'll put bands really? on. Yeah. Huh. Some pretty pretty neat things that I've seen over the years. So I would love um, to see a dog with doggy braces. Yeah. Those, <laughs> I if you Google it, there'll be a bunch of those coming up, but it's something that's done. You know, and you could do that in show dogs because it's not a genetic defect. It's just a developmental. So you want to get your teeth looking really nice. So um, it's important that you get these teeth checked at least once a year. Yep. Senior dogs and the young dogs, we're going to be checking them every time we see them. So mm-hmm. just twice a year and the younger ones every month. But don't don't avoid it. If your pet has bad breath or if they've got bad teeth and your, your vet says, let's get them in for a teeth cleaning, don't just wait. Oh, I want to wait until, yeah. you know. This is hurting the animal, is causing them pain, it's shortening mm-hmm. their lifespan. Just be really aware of it. And when your vet is giving you that estimate for it, say, okay, let's go ahead and do this. I know it's going to be better. One of the things I tell people, if we know they have bad teeth, come in every year for that dental cleaning. It's yeah. going to be a lot less expensive. We're going to lose a lot less teeth because we'll keep the teeth there that are healthier. Mm-hmm. I had one patient, we were doing teeth cleanings every six months because yeah. that's how quickly the tartar was building up and they could not get in there and do the cleaning. So don't be afraid to do it. Yes, we have to do general anesthesia. Yes, there is a risk. There's always a risk. But I always look at what's the benefit versus the risk for these yeah. animals. And I, I know that if we don't do anything, these teeth are going to abscess and the animal's going to be in pain. Mm-hmm. I do know that there's always a risk during anesthesia. And if your pet's the one that happens to have a problem during anesthesia, you feel awful and we feel awful. Mm-hmm. It happens very, very rarely. But it happens, and it happens for people that go in for for um, wisdom teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the thing that my wife was really scared about having my son going in for a thing. She was worried something was going to happen. Yeah. She was reading too much on the internet. And she's a doctor, so she mm-hmm. should know better. Pet health, uh, half their health, I think, is in their mouth. So if you keep that clean, you're going to keep them healthy yep. going on forever. All right, our pet health news. This is uh, one of my favorite things because I get to kind of look and see what's coming up and the the neat things that are going on. And one of the things that is really frustrating us right now is the veterinarian shortage. People may not know this, but there's a very low number of veterinarians that are available to work in clinics. We've been looking to hire someone for eight months, ten months now. There's three new veterinary schools going to be coming online. It's not going to help us this year. They're going to be about four or five years before the veterinarians start coming out of there. But um, there's one in Arizona. 
Um, and they're actually going to be a three-year program, which I think they're probably going to be farming those uh, students out for the fourth-year clinical work to another uh, school. Nice. So that's the Arizona College of Veterinary Medicine in Oro Valley, Arizona. Long Island, New York, they're opening up another veterinary school. It's going to be a four-year program. So it's the East Coast Long Island University. And this is interesting. There's only four veterinary schools now on the East Coast. Hmm. There's a huge population there, but most of the students have to go to other vet schools if they want to become a veterinarian. So um, hopefully they'll, you think New York would have uh, some more of that. I know there's one uh, up in Ithaca. There's Long Island's the only other one. So be nice to be nice for the students in the East Coast to have schools closer to home. Yeah. And then Texas is opening another vet school. So there's one, I think, at Texas A&M, not Texas Tech, is going to be uh, doing a vet school. Going to have that opening in the fall of 2021. The other ones are going to start nice. taking classes next fall. So, um, and they're going to be taking about 60 students. So we graduate cool. about 2,400 veterinarians a year across the country compared to about 25,000 medical doctors. Mm. Wow. And, uh, you know, we've got over 110 million pets in the country, 330 million people. Yeah. So, you know, we should have a lot, <laughs> be graduating a lot more vets out. Um, but it's, it's important and I'm glad to see that happening. Yeah. Hey, if anyone's looking for a job, give me a call. <laughs> We're looking for a good veterinarian here. All right. This was a really interesting um, article because you always hear the cats are so aloof when they make not as great as pets as dog or not as bonded to the owners. They actually studied to see how much cats were bonded <laughs> to their owners. So Oregon State University Human-Animal Interaction Lab. It was a pretty neat lab to, to work in. You get to play with puppies and kittens all day. And <laughs> sure. so they were showing that the cats display distinct attachment behaviors towards their owners, just like these observed in people and dogs. So they did a study with 79 kittens and 38 adult cats. So this is how they did it. They would leave the um, owner with the cat in the room for two minutes. Uh, it'll be a, a room they haven't been in before. Then they would leave the cat alone in the room for two minutes. And then finally, the owner returned to the room. And they would observe uh, the interactions of the cats with the, with the people. And then they categorized them as either secure, in which case the cat continued to explore the room calmly when the owner returned, which I guess was good, or insecure, where the cat demonstrated anxiety when the owner returned. And usually... Um, that was um, manifested by avoiding the caregiver, acting ambivalent towards the caregiver, or a combination of the two. Mm. So they were they showed 64.3% of the cats were categorized as secure, oh, which corresponds, uh, and that was in the kittens, and the adults was 65.8, so really close. And that corresponded to 58% of dogs that would form secure attachments. So actually, cats are even more bonded. Mm. Um, and I think they had a, a, a note in here about humans. Um Yes, yeah, 65% of human infants form secure attachments. So cats are bonded to us just as much as our kids. Huh. All right, I'm going to get a lot of information from people about that. But, <laughs> but um, they are not the aloof. They do care about us. They're, they're aware that we're there, and they're aware when we're not there. So those are important things. And basically, they're just, the, this Dr. Vitale who did the study, she says, the formation of the strong bonds between cats and humans have a positive impact on cat behavior and welfare. And the more we know about the cat-human bond, the more strategies we can propose to deal with feline behavior issues in the home and address medical issues related to separation distress. So, I mean, these sound like they're uh, interesting, like fun things to do, but there's a lot of good medical stuff that comes from it. We yeah. know that animals being in nursing homes and uh, having therapy dogs yeah. visit children in the hospital really speeds their recovery and, and helps mm -hmm. things um, develop in the future. Have you seen a video of the therapy horse? <laughs> 
<laughs> I've seen lots of different therapy animals. And I'll say yes. there's a large therapy horse. He goes into the hospital and they full size, not the mini horse. Oh no, it's a full size. Uh, I believe he's a 20 hands high horse, so he's a very large wow. one. Probably Belgium or something. He yeah. walks to the room he wants to go to, and he will go pick a room. And they say he always picks one with a really sick patient. And he'll go in that room and he'll lay his head on their bed with the patient. And I love the I wow. love watching his videos because. He's wonderful. Like, they don't lead him. They literally just follow behind him. I don't know if I would feel better <laughs> if a horse came into my room if I was in the hospital. I would, I, a kitten or a puppy, yeah, that would be kind of good. The horse might be a little weird. Uh, do they have therapy snakes or turtles? Uh, you know, the dentist, they like to put those fish tanks in there. Yeah. It helps people relax. And stuff. We, you know, we'll find a therapy turtle. <laughs> Monica has a snake. We'll turn it into a therapy snake. Yeah, there you go. We'll do that. Yeah, we have. I've seen a lot of patients that have or clients that have therapy animals that mm-hmm. do these things. So, but I've not heard of the horse. So, <laughs> um, our last story is um, about some new uh, potential treatments and testings that are coming available. So, one of the things we deal with a lot in dogs is called atopy. This is an allergic condition mm-hmm. uh, where the allergens get uh, they get sensitized to allergens and they can affect it through their skin, causes skin infections and itching, and be very miserable. So there's this company called VetCell Therapeutics, and what they're doing is they're looking at a diagnostic process um, to, to diagnose these animals with atopy. Right now, in order to diagnose atopy, we have to kind of rule out a lot of other things. You can do some allergy testing, clinical history, stuff like this. They think they've uh, developed something where they can get an almost instant diagnosis um, based on uh, certain cell factors that they're uh, looking at in the tissue. So they're they're working on doing that right now. And then the purpose of that would be then identifying patients that would be able to be treated with certain cell therapies that they're also working at. Um, so they're looking at the results of using what are called mesenchymal stem cells. Um, and we've used those for arthritis and stuff, but to treat the atopic dermatitis. Mm. So I assume they'd be maybe purifying these cells and doing an intravenous injection. They don't say for sure here. But it'd be kind of a nice to have another treatment because even yeah. despite all the great treatments we have, there's still some animals that are not doing very well. Mm-hmm. Although some of the newer treatments are pretty amazing. Um, one of the ones we have is an antibody. There's another company coming out with their version of this antibody that targets the interleukin-31 molecule. So this is Kindred Bioscience. And we did a story on another one of their products um, earlier in the podcast. Yeah. Um, but basically, interleukin-31 is the molecule that causes itching. And by binding that up, it relieves the itching. They're not scratching their skin, less likely to get skin infections, and less likely to have problems. Mm. So um, it's really kind of neat what they're doing. The stem cells, uh, they're coming up with more and more uses for that. Um, I've used it for arthritis. They've been looking at it for treating heart disease, kidney disease, liver disease, diabetes. Mm. Um, And to to use the treat to allergies is kind of a a neat uh, um, idea for using those stem cells. Uh, We're taking something that is a sort of unconventional treatment and making it work to these animals that are really miserable. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Now we can move on to the case of the week. And I call it the onion dog. <laughs> Her name is Cindy. <laughs> so Cindy came in, it was three days, four days ago. Yes. Um, and this owner had, she had come home and found that the dog had eaten a frozen bag. Frozen, a bag of frozen onions, onions and peppers. And peppers. Mm-hmm. And we talked about foods to avoid in animals in one of our first podcasts, and mm-hmm. onions was one of them. And this yep. owner knew that. Yeah. So she knew to call us. Right away. If she hadn't have called us and we had not taken care of this dog could be really sick right now and in need of a transfusion. Yeah. 
Like, luckily, Cindy was big. Yeah. Like, if she was a small dog, she probably, if the owner didn't call her, she probably would have passed by now. Yeah. Um, but luckily, Cindy is a very large lab mix. Um, so I think her size helped her for that. But I think it also kind of hurt her because she was able to hop right. on the counter and get that bag from the owners. <laughs> well, and onions cause damage to the red blood cells, and it makes them... Uh, inefficient at carrying oxygen. So they basically can suffocate mm-hmm. um, from the damage to their hemoglobin. Um, so for Cindy, we made her vomit to get rid of any uh, onions that were still in her system. Mm-hmm. Um, gave her the activated charcoal, which is binds up any toxins that are left is still in the intestinal tract. And then we've been monitoring her uh, red cell count for the last few days. So today was her last check. Beautiful. She's out of danger. Fabulous. She hasn't had any problems by now. She's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But just, again, pay attention to the foods you're not supposed to have. In general, don't leave foods out where your dog can get them. Yeah. Uh, even foods that they are safe for them, they still can eat too much of it, or they can eat the packaging along mm-hmm. with the food. It gets to be pretty much of a mess. So let's uh, let's avoid those things, <laughs> and hopefully we won't see too many Sydney's more coming in the hospital. <laughs> but I'd say what, about once a week we get an animal that we have to make them vomit. Usually. They something they shouldn't. Yeah, it's always something the owner left out. Chocolate's the one everybody knows, so mm-hmm. that's an easy one. People say, oh, they might. And coming out with Halloween, Halloween be yeah. careful with those candies, mm-hmm. leaving those out. Uh, I think my cats are pretty good about not getting into candy bars. I'd say usually cats, my, we usually worry about plants. Yeah. So no. they usually eat the plants. Candy bars, they, when they disappear, as usually I check the waste past the, by my wife's desk. Or... We had one of the cats <laughs> um, who ate strawberry shortcakes the other, uh, a while ago. Oh, okay. Adrian's cat, the one who's here. Ah, is... He jumped up on the counter, ate uh, four packs of strawberry shortcakes. I, the one lady she told us she used to feed her cat uh, banana bread. Mm-hmm. So, weird. <laughs> All right. So, for tech tips, um, I asked you about those today. And since we're talking about dental care... Yep. One of the things people, when I say, hey, you should brush your teeth every day, you go, how the heck am I going to brush my dog's <laughs> teeth every day? And so a lot of times I'll say, well, you, you hold their mouth closed, you stick the brush underneath here, and, and I'll show them. They go, you're not going to do that for me. <laughs> so you must have some good tips on how to get yes. people to brush their, their pet's teeth here. Yes. So one thing when we're teaching our pets how to get used to the toothbrush or something like that, you want to make it, just like with any training, positive training, make it a good experience for them. One thing that does help is flavored toothpaste. You never yeah. want to use human toothpaste. That is bad for them. They do have pet-specific toothpaste. Right. The human um, toothpaste will foam up if they swallow it. It can mm-hmm. really cause the, irritation. Is that fluoride in it, right? That's uh, just, yeah. yeah. And and the pet toothpaste is nice because it's designed to be swallowed. It doesn't foam mm-hmm. up. No. And, uh, and they have fun flavors. Yeah. Like, they have chicken um, for... Beef. Cats, they have uh, tuna, fish. Wow. Um, you know, they have beef, cheese, peanut butter. So they have so many flavors Why out there. Why don't they have cheesecake flavored toothpaste? Ah, uh, because people <laughs> would eat their toothpaste. <laughs> and it's still not good for us to swallow. Well, and that's the other thing. Cats really like mint because catnip is a mint. So, uh-huh. you know, mint flavored toothpaste, they, they like to chew on the tube. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't want, yeah. yeah. Um, so you want to make it a good experience for them. So if you have your dog who is particular about something, go for that brand of, or go for that, that flavor, flavor of toothpaste. Um, the first couple of days or first couple of times, let them lick the toothpaste off of your finger or just let them get used to the tube. Okay. You know, when you grab the tube, you don't want the pet to be running or the toothbrush or whatever you're grabbing. You don't want them to run from it because you don't want them to, to know it's a bad experience. So let them lick it off your finger, maybe put a drop on their food or something so they're used to the flavor. Um, and then get them used to the toothbrush. Um, I always tell owners maybe buy one or two or three because the first toothbrush, let them get used to it in their mouth. Some dogs would take it. Some dogs would chew it. I went through about four toothbrush before my dog realized it wasn't a chew toy. 
Um, but that was fine for me because he wasn't terrified of the brush. When he saw it, he got excited. Um, there are sometimes he would take it out, put toothpaste on it, and he would just walk around chewing on it because he thought it was a chew toy. Um, but then eventually I started slowly taking a toothbrush and moving it along his um, his teeth and his gums and everything. And, you know, he would start sitting and letting me do that. I would give him a treat in between. Um, but you have to make it a fun experience right. for them. And you can do the same thing for cats, too. Yeah. Cats aren't as hard as most people think they are, especially if you slowly work with them. If you have a cat who loves seafood things, get them some tuna flavored toothpaste and, Mm -hmm. you know, slowly get them used to the toothbrush. If you don't want to try a big toothbrush, um, there are gauze squares. You just wrap one around your finger, a little dab of toothpaste, and just go along the outside of their teeth. That helps. Or um, they have just a finger toothbrush. Or if you just want to go for a real toothbrush, get a children's one. They're Mm -hmm. nice and soft. The bristles aren't going to hurt their gums. I like to use the the cotton swabs we have here oh, with yeah. the one handle because mm-hmm. it's small enough. It's going to get in the back of their mouth. Those yeah. brushes sometimes don't do that, and they they'll take that better. Mm-hmm. You can't use the Q-tips like you get in the store because those are just too big and too yeah. soft. Yeah. But we'll we'll sell you a bag of the Q-tips. It's like three bucks. Yes, yeah. it's really cheap. There's a hundred of them in there. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it's hard to find those. I've tried to send people like pharmacies and stuff. The place you yeah, used fine. to be able to get them was Radio Shack would sell them to clean tape heads. Huh. But uh, we we've got them here, so and ask your vet. <laughs> just if you go to your vet. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, those are I think are, are the easiest if you're just trying to get them started. Yeah, just I mean, just you know, just again with any animal, it's practice, it's making it a good experience, and not forcing them into it. Don't get frustrated too quickly because your dog's not letting you do a dental the first day. Right. That's not gonna happen. And start them while they're young. Yes. Um, definitely. Don't get bit trying to do this. Um, if you have a rescue dog, see how well that'll go. But don't force them into anything. You never know if they're head shy or something. You know, we don't want to force them into something that they feel uncomfortable doing. Right. But if you have them while they're young, that's the best chance to do it. Get them used to getting their mouth played with, opening their mouth, uh, touching their teeth, moving around their lips or things. It makes it easier for us, too, for exams and yeah. things. Um, but then imagine how much easier that's going to be for you if you clean our teeth two or three times a week even, you don't have to worry about us saying you need a dental. Right. <laughs> but if, and you're also teeth. looking in the animal's mouth, so if there is a problem, you're mm-hmm. going to see it. You can see it. If you see blood on the brush, you know, you're going to notice yeah. that. We're going to know, okay, we need to maybe take a look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the, I remember I have seen one text. She had her cats lined up on the bathroom sink. She had a picture of them waiting to get their teeth brushed. <laughs> They just yeah. loved it. So they love him. Cats are just as trainable as dogs. Yeah. I always tell people they're, they're much better training us than we are training them. Oh, yeah. If we took the time to do it, though. But, yeah. So those are some really good tips. And, uh, again, get the pet toothpaste. Mm-hmm. Get the – I like for the big dogs, the long-handled toothbrushes with the wide head. Yeah. Because they, you can't use a regular personal toothbrush. It's not long enough. It's not going to get that. Mm-hmm. And then when you're brushing the back teeth on a dog, you have to angle that brush outwards a little bit to get those back molars because yeah. they kind of curve in a little bit and you'll miss those and that's where i see most of the tartar build up on dogs is those back mm, molars back ones. and if you can get in there and brush those every day then you're set i guess that'd be kind of like the wisdom teeth in people those, yeah. those third molars <laughs> those extra there. teeth yeah okay um so i think that wraps up our podcast for this week yep. and a lot of stuff on dental care and so um, again, ask your vet if you have any questions. Ask the techs uh, about brushing your dog's teeth. Ask them what products they recommend. There's a lot of them out yeah. there. A lot of them are very good. So mm-hmm. whatever they're probably been using will probably be helpful. Something's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, next week we're going to be uh, talking about the wellness blood panel. 
We do blood pre-anesthetic wise when an animal is sick, but yeah. we also like to do blood tests in animals. We call it the wellness panel when they're coming yeah, in for their wellness exam. Yeah. And uh, the reasons why we do that and why it's important. So that's it for this week. I'm Dr. Jim Hosek. I'm ready. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Pet Factor with Dr. Jim Hosek and Brittany.